Hey there, I just want to say how thankful I am for those of you guys who have been tuning in every week as we've been studying through the book of Colossians. We just have one week left and there is some very exciting news coming next week. And I'm going to give you a little taste of it right now, which is that we are going to be starting in-person services for Calvary Chapel Palace Verdes at the end of September. So mark your calendars. September 27th is going to be the launch of Calvary Chapel, Palos Verdes, and we are so excited. Uh, when Leah and I moved here at the beginning of May, uh, God has just been blowing our minds. I mean, he is doing exceedingly abundantly above all that we could even have asked for or have thought for. I mean, we're living that promise right now, and it's been so cool, and uh, we're so thankful for the encouragement that has been flooded our way uh, from people in Santa Barbara and the people that we've been able to now connect with here in Palos Verdes. So we're so blessed, and uh, I just want to say this, if you haven't yet, would you go check out our Instagram and our Facebook? Also go subscribe to our YouTube page and then check out our website, calvarypalaceverdes.com. You could read blogs there. You could read the vision of our church and uh, it's helpful for you and it's also helpful for us. So go check those places out. Um, but today we are drawing near to the end of Colossians. As I said, we have one week left, but today we're going to talk about Christian relationships. Last week we talked about Christian living and how we're to put on the new man and the new woman. And now as we've put on this new identity in Jesus Christ, how are we to live out our relationships. Let me remind you something I've been saying repeatedly, and I'll say it again, that our practice flows from our position. You first need to know who you are as a child of God before the Bible tells you how you ought to live that out. But right now we're right in the middle of how we're to live out our identity in Jesus. So in Jesus, we have a whole new life. We've been given a whole new perspective. Therefore, there is a whole new way for living. And that living shows itself beautifully in the context of relationships. Paul is going to talk about multiple kinds of relationships that we have. And in this section, we see a very paralleled section in the book of Ephesians, which tells us this, you guys. It tells us that this is not just instruction that was for a particular people at a time in a particular place, but this is for all people at all times and in all places. If we live according to these biblical principles for our relationships, our relationships are going to thrive. And I think you're going to see that today as we see, beginning now in Colossians chapter 3, we're going to look at verse 18 and go all the way to chapter 4, verse 1. At verse 18, talking first about marriage relationships, Paul says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Now, the first thing I'll say about this verse is that it only applies to perhaps half of the people that are listening today. This verse is only for those of you who are wives. If you are a husband, be patient. The next verse is for you. But this verse isn't for you. Uh, all the other verses of Scripture, those are for you. But this verse does not apply to you. And if I may say this, that sometimes I've found that husbands 
think that this is a verse that they could use to control a situation, that they could use it as a sort of ammunition or a weapon against their wife. And it's just wrong. This verse is for wives written to them from their God. So God is telling you, if you are a wife, to submit to your own husband. Now it says nothing here about the way that wives need to submit to all husbands, so as to say that women are to submit to all men. This is about your family. This has nothing to do with the role of women in business or in government or any such thing as that. We are talking about marriages. So in your family, in your marriage, God has instructed you, if you're a wife, to submit to your own husband, as is fitting in the Lord. What does it mean there when Paul says, as is fitting in the Lord? What this means is that if your husband is asking you to do something that would bring you out of submission to God, then you're not to submit to your husband. See, we to submit to God first and then to our husbands. And so if your husband is asking you to lie on your taxes, if he's asking you to participate in some strange extramarital sexual relationship, if he's being abusive toward you, if he is um, doing anything that would bring you out of submission to your Lord first, then you're not to submit to him. But regardless of whether the fact that your husband is a Christian or not a Christian, uh, he may be a really difficult person to live with. God is telling you, so far as it can depend upon you, be submitted to your spouse. Now, we're going to talk about husbands because it's not only the women that hold the responsibility. It is also the husbands. Husbands are to love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Now it's our, our turn. And I'll say this because I'm included in this as a husband. See, this verse, again, is written from God to husbands. It's not written to wives uh, it's not written to all men, it's written to husbands. And oftentimes people think that women in this verse, wives in this verse, are being asked to do something so much more, something so much more difficult, which is to submit. And that for some way, husbands have sort of gotten off easy by just being told to love. Now, before we think that husbands get off easy, think about the kind of love that we are being asked to do. This is agape love. Paul in Ephesians 5, which is the similar section that we're reading, tells husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for us. So how has Christ loved the church? Well, he was arrested. He was mocked. He was beaten and scourged. He carried a heavy cross to Golgotha. He was nailed hand and foot to that cross and lifted up and hung there in a brutalized and agonizing death. And he gave himself for us. The wrath of God towards sin was poured out upon the Son, Jesus Christ. And therefore, he shed his blood so that his bride could be washed white as snow. See, that's the kind of love that husbands are being asked to love with. A agape love. 
a sacrificial love. Another translation would be a submitted love. See, husbands and wives, both created in God's image and yet given separate and distinct roles in order that we might display the beauty of Jesus in his church, yet still we are to be mutually submitted one to another, laying down our lives for one another. So, love thrives in this kind of environment. Marriages thrive when we take seriously the roles that we've been given in Christ. And so husbands, do not be bitter toward your wives. Has the Lord ever been bitter toward you? No, he's full of grace and love. Therefore, in your marriages, would you do the same towards your wives? And I'll say this, that marriages take hard work. I'll be honest, marriage is not easy. My wife and I, we have been married for eight years. We love each other. We have a thriving marriage, but it's not easy. It takes work. And I want to encourage you that we want your marriage to not just survive, but to thrive. And if you want to reach out to us, to my wife Leah and I, we also know other husbands and wives in the South Bay area who would love to connect with you and support you in your marriage relationships. Reach out to us at Calvary Chapel Palace Verdes. We'd love to support you. And then we're going to talk now about the parent and the child relationship, which starts at verse 20, where it says, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Now, you might be thinking that marriage is amazing, but man, once those kids came along, everything changed. Now, you may think, man, my my marriage is good, but parenting, man, parenting is hard. And, and, you know, I have two young ones, uh, six and three. We love them to death. They're amazing children. Um, But yeah, parenting is also hard. We see you. We know where you're at. And uh, again, we want to come alongside you in parenting. If you need love, support, encouragement, we're in the thick of it with you. We'd love to come alongside you. But first, I want to talk to children. If you're a child and you're listening to this, maybe you're 5, 10, 15, 20, 25. You're like, wait, hold on, 25 and I'm still a child? Well, what this is specifically speaking about is those children that are still under their parents' authority, still under their covering, still under their blessing. God wants you to obey them. Because it pleases him when you do that. Why? Well, don't we have a father in heaven that we're supposed to obey? Yes, we do. And do we obey him in all things? Well, not always. That's why we have his grace. But we're called to obey him. So so while we think about these things, I want to talk to those who are still under their parents' authority. Maybe you're a teenager. Maybe you're even a young adult. I just want to say this, is that it is a beautiful blessing when you are in obedience and submission to your parents. Now, you might be thinking, well, hold on, because my parents are nothing like my heavenly father. They're not gracious toward me. They're, They're so demanding. They're so harsh upon me. 
Well, that's why we're counterbalancing this with the next verse, which says fathers. And by implication, I'll say mothers too. Do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Parents, are you putting too many demands upon your children? Are you putting a yoke, a burden upon them that they're not even able to carry? You see, God has been gracious toward you as his child. Therefore, as a parent on earth, you ought to be loving and gracious and merciful unto your children. Sometimes children receive the brunt and the weight of parents' expectations and harshness, and, and it's just not good. And so again, family works beautifully when we do it in the Lord, to the Lord, from the Lord. And again, if you're looking to see your family thrive and you live in Palos Verdes or the South Bay area, we want to come alongside you. Reach out to us and we'll support you in any way we can. Now, the last relationship we're going to look at today starts in chapter 3, verse 22, and goes to chapter 4, verse 1, which is the master and the servant relationship. So, bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as man pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily, as to the Lord and not to men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven." Now, some people will point to this section of Scripture and say, well, hold on a minute. Is the Bible supporting slavery? No, the Bible does not support slavery. The Bible, though, does recognize slavery as something that exists among fallen humanity. The Bible does not condone slavery. Instead, it brings God's justice and fairness to it. See, when God's justice and fairness are brought into corrupt systems, such as human slavery, they will end. And it is, in fact, Christianity that in large measure has brought an end to slavery. So Paul was speaking during a time in which there was slavery in the Roman Empire, but it was ultimately Christianity that brought that to an end. And Christians, yes, Christians in the past have owned slaves and treated them harshly. It is a terrible fact of even our nation's history. And we are saddened by that. And God will judge that. But what people often fail to remember is that it was Christian men and women who led the abolition movements throughout our history. And if we understand the times in which we are living in today, in which we see sort of this bubbling up again of some of the tensions between race and, and corrupt systems of fallen humanity, 
we need to remember that it is Christians who again need to bring the principles of justice and fairness into those corrupt systems of fallen humanity and see them brought to an end again. The issues that we are up against today, they stem from certain people not seeing men and women as created in the image of God. And so if you are a Christian, if you have a whole new identity in Jesus Christ, we have brothers and sisters in Christ from every tribe, nation, and tongue, and God celebrates diversity. And as Christians, we are the first that are to bring justice and fairness and equity into people's lives. Now, there is such a thing as um, racism. There was such a thing as slavery. And these are topics that I am happy to speak about as a pastor. I would love to speak to you if you have questions about that. Um, but for the sake of our study today, what I also want to look at is how this also plays into the standpoint of our relationships as sort of employment, employees and employers. Because what we need to notice here is that the master and bondservant relationship that Paul was speaking into was one that was both just and fair. The relationships that Paul was speaking about were not like the brutal slavery of our past. It was something more of like an employment relationship. See, this isn't to dismiss or to negate the fact that there are issues in our society and that there are issues throughout all human history because of the problem of sin. But for today, I want to just touch briefly on uh, if you are an employee and you're a Christian or if you're an employer and you're a Christian. And I'll just say it really simply. Christian employees, if you work under somebody, if you receive uh, a paycheck from an employer, you need to work as one who is not working for the approval of man. You are to be working as someone who is not looking uh, or not just doing work when somebody is looking, but you're doing it to the Lord. Because guys, we know the Lord is always looking. And we know that we want to work as people that are pleasing to the Lord. See, if I can just simply say it like this, Christian employees should be the best and hardest working people. People should be pleased to work with Christians. Now, if you're a Christian employer, meaning that you have people that work for you, you must be a person that is fair, that is just, and that is equitable. If you are a Christian and you have people that work for you, you should be the best kind of boss. You should pay well, you should treat your employees well, you should treat them with fairness and kindness, with love, with respect, because that is the new man. That is the new woman in Christ. And I encourage you that because we have a new nature, as employers and employees, we ought to represent in the marketplace, in the business world, the best kind of people. Now, all of these relationships, marriages, families, employers, employees, even the tragic past of human slavery, 
God sees those relationships. He wants it to be full of justice, mercy, humility. He wants to see our relationship, relationships thrive. And so if I could just encourage you here as we end today, um, is this. See, the reason why we should be thriving in our relationships is because we have a new identity in the Lord. I mean, we've been completely transformed because of Jesus. And if he's completely transformed us, our marriages should look different. Our families should look different. Our workplaces should look different because we are different. Because Jesus has made us new creations in him. We're not just the ordinary people. We're not the world. We are God's people, his elect, his beloved. We are the faithful saints and brethren. And so in our relationships, God has given us the instructions so that we can thrive in those kinds of relationships. Amen. God bless you.